The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. One of uh, many statements from uh, that time period, 2020, 2021, that uh, didn't age very well. The science is clear, said George W. Bush. He's there with his friends. The Uniparty, they're all in agreement. This is, uh, this is what we have to do to just slow the spread, to stamp out the, the pandemic. And uh, here we are. Here we are. We've got a lot to talk about on today's show regarding COVID and, and the vaccines and the vaccine injuries. As I say, lots and lots to get to. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show through our website. There you see it, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live. And uh, join us every weekday morning here in the central time zone of the United States at 11.05, I guess, after the top of the hour news, 11.05-ish, every weekday morning here from uh, central Oklahoma. This is where we broadcast from. We, of course, have a, a radio station, KPCG, and, uh, but the video is what primarily works its way out to most of you. You can get to the show uh, downloaded to your device uh, as well. Many of our viewers uh, have that option. Just uh, before I get into the latest uh, Twitter files release having to do with Big Pharma and the vaccines, uh, I'll just point you to Richard uh, Palmer's morning brief this morning. This actually happened yesterday on January 16th. The uh, British, sorry, the German defense minister stepped down and his replacement, or her replacement, I forget if it was a man or a woman, but anyway, the new one is uh, named Boris Pistorius. Richard said in his brief this morning that that he's known as a, a mover and a shaker. He gets things done. He's also uh, fairly uh, pro-Russian in many of his stances. So um, I'll just quote from the last part of of Richard's brief. He says, keep watching the German-Russian relationship. Bible prophecy says the two will work together to bring down the United States. It says Germany's tepid support of Ukraine will lead sooner or later to a much more open break. So we'll certainly keep our eyes on that and on all things Europe. Speaking of Europe right now in Davos, you've got the... uh, (laughs) The, uh, the rich and powerful, the, the globalists, the elites flying in on their jets from all over the world. I saw where Brian Stelter was leading a roundtable discussion uh, this morning with the New York Times talking about the spread of disinformation, how it's the greatest threat that uh, the world is facing. I mean, it's perfect, isn't it? The super spreaders of disinformation are in Davos at this moment warning of the spread of disinformation. You can't make this up. 
And also the Daily Mail, by the way, has a piece, uh, an expose on uh, all the prostitutes that are flooding into Davos because uh, there's so much business for them. And they're raising their rates. This is from the Daily Mail. It says here, demand for sex work skyrockets each year at the meeting of world leaders and business tycoons who jet in from all around the world to rub shoulders with each other. So they're uh, assembling to save the earth. And of course, they're enjoying the cocktails and the prostitutes at the same time. What a world we live in. Just like I described yesterday going through Romans 1 and Romans 3, a perfect description of your world. These, as I say, these are the ones that that are supposed to save the earth. And they're the biggest hypocrites of all. And, and you look at the lives so many of them lead. A lot of them right from the swamp here in D.C. Yeah, making that journey across the Atlantic so that they can uh, rub shoulders with the high and mighty there in Davos. The World Economic Forum. Lee Fang is the one who released the latest batch of Twitter files. I think this is now number 16. And, and basically, this is about how Big Pharma used Twitter to censor those pushing for alternative treatments. I mean, once, once Bush and Obama and Clinton come out and say, get the, the vaccine, get the jab, there's no other options. You just do what the Uniparty says. And, and by the way, Big Pharma is going to be raking in tens of billions of dollars and a lot of their spokespeople, they're also going to be making millions. So we don't want any competition. We don't want any, we don't want any alternative forms of medicine. No, no. Just get the jab. There's not a lot that's surprising about this latest batch from the Twitter files. It could be even more hard-hitting, as we've been pointing out. Lee Fang, he writes for The Intercept. So most of these are left-wing journalists. And again, like we've pointed out, they're going to stop short of blaming Obama. They're going to try to stay within the parameters of 2017 on, because that's when Trump started. But basically, this is huge money for Big Pharma, as you know. And, and look at how many people are now being injured uh, and or dying because of these vaccines. That they all said, that was just from, I think, March of 2021, they all said that, that we just need the vaccine and then everything, everything goes away. All the sickness and the disease is ended. And we can move on. We can move beyond the pandemic. Here we are coming up to three years. Who can forget the events of March 2020? And yet here we are in the, the government in the United States. I'll get to it a little bit later. They're extending these emergency powers three years in. I think they've extended it like 12 times. They don't want to give up power. This is from... Uh, Lee Fang, one of his tweets, it says, Notably, this massive push to censor and label COVID misinformation never applied to drug companies. You see, they have their definition of what misinformation or disinformation is. And so the New York Times and Brian Stelter, they can, uh, they can speak up at Davos and talk about, yeah, the, the spread of disinformation, it's the greatest threat that we're facing even as they go about spreading disinformation. And how many times have they been caught? Have they been exposed? 
Eh, okay, they were really concerned. Big Pharma, I'm talking about. They were very concerned about the spread of disinformation, even as they went about spreading disinformation. And it continues. It says, when Big Pharma wildly exaggerated the risks of creating low-cost generic COVID vaccines, strong, Stronger did nothing. The rules applied only to critics of the industry. So if you criticize Big Pharma, well, Big Pharma is going to pick up the phone or send off a, an email to Twitter. This is before Elon Musk came along. And tell them to censor it. And tell them to stamp it out. This is from the Intercept article. It says, Nino Morchesauser, a lobbyist for Twitter in Europe, emailed colleagues with a dire warning. The drug maker BioNTech, along with the German government, had contacted her with news of an imminent, quote, campaign targeting the pharmaceutical companies developing the COVID-19 vaccine. You can't target Big Pharma. They're immune. You can't criticize Big Pharma. It says here, the campaign they were concerned about was the launch of an international push to force the drug industry to share the intellectual property and patents associated with coronavirus vaccine development. We just want to save people, right? Kind of like the Davos people. We just want to save the earth. But these drug makers, they didn't want to release their technology. Worldwide, because we've got to keep the patent to ourselves and make tens of billions of dollars. This is what it always gets down to. This is the bottom line. It's a money-making venture. It says here, in reporting this story, as with the last, Twitter did not provide unfettered access to company information. Rather, they allowed me to make requests without restriction that were then fulfilled on my behalf uh, by an attorney. Well, he's explaining what led up to his his article in the release of this Twitter files batch. Let me just back up a, a second. It says, but it shows the extent to which pharmaceutical giants engaged in a global lobbying blitz to ensure corporate dominance over the medical products that became central to combating the pandemic. They wanted a monopoly. They wanted to rake in all the money for themselves. So now it's being exposed, isn't it? This agenda, this disinformation, this censorship campaign. Lena Wen, she, she was one of the chief propagandists in 2020 and 2021. Listen to her uh, admission from yesterday on CNN, clip one. I talked to a lot of health officials about this who are actually kind of skeptical of this claim that you're making. And I think one big thing has been what is the evidence that these COVID deaths are actually being overcounted? Well, this is the reason why this kind of transparent reporting is going to be so important. There is a way for us to look at death certificates and also to look at the medical records of individuals prior to their death. And I think this needs to be separated into three categories. One is the um, the COVID as a direct contributor, the primary cause of death. The second is, could it be a secondary contributing cause? So, for example, somebody with kidney disease, COVID then pushes them over the edge to have kidney failure. That's COVID as a contributing cause. And then the third is COVID as an incidental finding. So somebody coming in with a gunshot wound or a heart attack and they happen to test positive. If you listened to this show two, three years ago, you, you can probably think of probably hundreds of times when we were pointing out how the dying of COVID and dying with COVID is very different. Here comes this woman who's been lying 
who's been lying for years. And now she just kind of casually admits, yeah, we're, you know, we're overcounting the COVID deaths. She's pointing out the obvious. She's pointing out what we said three years ago, that dying with COVID, especially if you've got all these other diseases, it's, it's not the pandemic that they said it was. But they were inflating all the numbers because, well, we've got the track. We've got the tracker at the bottom corner of the screen, CNN did. And you've got to know, this is the most dangerous pandemic in over 100 years. And for this, we need a vaccine, a cure-all. And everybody needs to get the jab. And now you see people just keeling over. Now you see some reporting where they come out. They're, they're talking about, you know, all of the side effects of the lockdowns. Because they just don't, they don't quite want to get to the vaccines. And how dangerous they are. And don't get me wrong, the lockdowns had side effects. I'll read this to you in just a second from the Wall Street Journal. But they're not talking about the elephant in the room. Speaking of the lockdown, there's this case in Canada. Stephanie Warriner is her name. She went into the hospital. I think this was around Toronto in, uh, in uh, early 2020. Yeah, 2020. May of 2020. She goes into this hospital. She has her mask down because she can't breathe. She's struggling to breathe. And these security guards, they basically tackle this woman and, and start choking her. They start beating this woman. She dies. She dies. And yesterday, a judge cleared the security officers. No wrongdoing there. Hey, she didn't have her mask up. She wasn't covering her mask. It was her fault. I guess that's the conclusion. That's some of the lockdown insanity that so many of us saw and experienced just a couple years ago, just a couple years, it's kind of like Ashley Babbitt. I mean, if it fits within the narrative, shoot her dead. Shoot her dead, and, and nobody will even ask a question. They strangle this woman because her mask wasn't quite covering her nose. Is, is, I mean, is this a real story? I, I guess it is. Where's the outrage? Here's the Wall Street Journal piece. Again, just maybe almost three years too late. But it says here, how deadly were the COVID lockdowns? Here again, you go back to the Trumpet magazine. In the summer of 2020, the cure is killing us. The cure, and, and here comes the Wall Street Journal. How deadly were these lockdowns? How deadly was the cure? As I say, it addresses just about everything except for the vaccine-related deaths and injuries. It says here, for Americans under 45, there were more excess deaths without the virus in 2020 and 21 than with it. So they're trying to make sense, as so many Western nations are, the UK, Western Europe, Australia. They're trying to wrap their minds around the, the, the excess deaths, 15 to 20% more people just dying not of COVID, they're just dying. And a lot of them are younger people. It says your COVID-19 is deadly, but so were the draconian steps taken to mitigate it. During the first two years of the pandemic, excess deaths, the death toll above the historical trend, markedly exceeded the number of deaths attributed to COVID. It says here in, in a paper we just published, uh, based on data from the CDC, uh, we found that non-COVID excess deaths 
totaled nearly a hundred thousand a year in 2020 and 2021. A hundred thousand. This is just for the United States. It says even these numbers likely overestimate deaths from COVID and underestimate those from other causes. O- overestimating deaths from COVID, just like Leanna Wynn now admits, yeah, we did do that. Yeah, that's true. Now they're, they're finally drawing a distinction between someone who dies of COVID and someone who maybe was murdered or shot dead and, and was tested positive for COVID in the hospital. Yep, mark that down as a COVID death. You know about the insanity. You've heard it from this, this show. It says, COVID testing has become ubiquitous in hospitals, and the official count of COVID deaths includes people who tested positive but died of other causes. During the pandemic, deaths from accidents, overdoses, alcoholism, and homicide all soared, as did deaths from hypertension, heart disease, and diabetes. It says from April 2020 through December 2021, deaths from COVID averaged 350,000 a year for Americans 65 and older, 100,000 a year for those between 45 and 64, and 20,000 a year for those younger. It says that produced excess deaths for these age groups of 16, 19, and 11% respectively. Excess deaths right across the board. But you see, what they won't talk about is what's happening here, particularly in the last year, all of these vaccine-related deaths and injuries. But what a world. What a world. It is true. These lockdowns, producing overdoses, alcoholism, homicides, uh, hypertension, heart disease, diabetes. Again, Romans 1, Romans 3. Go back and look at yesterday's show. You see what the Apostle Paul said about the last days, and that's not the only passage, the early chapters of Romans. You can look at 2 Timothy 3. You can look at uh, 1 Corinthians 6. You can look at Galatians 5. You can look at Matthew 24, the prophecy Uh, of Jesus Christ. What would happen in the last days? There was a story in the New York Post, by the way, uh, from the police union, uh, over 330 officers shot in 2022. This is, again, just in the United States. 62 officers last year killed. It says here, a total of 331 cops were shot across the country in 2022, a 6% increase from 2020, According to a new accounting from this, uh, this outfit, it says, of officers who were shot in the line of duty, 62 were killed, up 32% from 2020. See, they just keep killing cops. Got to do it for George Floyd, right? It's, it's always, the cop is, the police officer is always the problem. And so they get gunned down, and the percentages go up, and nobody, I mean, people hardly bat an eye. It doesn't even get any attention. You might see some of the statistics on crime in the cities, but police officers are being gunned down. Switching back to this Wall Street Journal piece about the, the COVID, it says the CDC data show the rate of non-COVID excess deaths in the first half of 2022 was even higher than 2020 and 2021. It's just getting worse. 
And so we've got to analyze the lockdowns and we've got to understand that there's now differences between, you know, those who die with COVID and those who die of COVID. And we're trying to analyze the data now from 2022. But don't dare question the vaccines. George W. Bush says the science. It's, it's already been proven. This is science. Good science, says the former president of the United States. The science is clear. Is it? Is it clear? Listen to this from Fox News. This was, again, something the CDC quietly put out there over the weekend, clip 11. And we are just getting word of this now. Regarding the COVID vaccine, the CDC is now saying that there has been enough cases of people who have had the vaccine, received the vaccine, and then suffered a stroke. The agency will now be investigating any potential links between the shots and strokes in some of those patients. And we'll see how that internal investigation comes out. But here, here the CDC is quietly having to admit, yeah, there are quite a few people that they're just getting strokes after getting the vaccine. George W. Bush said the, the science is clear, though. This is, this is going to end the pa- pandemic. This will save lives. This is from Zero Hedge. It says, finally, this uh, journalist at the Epoch Times managed to Uh, to get the CDC to release the results of its VAERS safety signal monitoring for COVID-19 vaccines, and they paint a very alarming picture. Zero Hedge writes, CDC's VAERS safety, you know VAERS, that's that's what keeps track of vaccine-related injuries and or deaths. It says CDC's VAERS safety signal analysis, based on reports from December 14, 2020 to the end of July last year, for the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines shows clear safety signals for death and a range of highly concerning thromboembolic, cardiac, neurological, hemorrhagic, hematological, immune system, and menstrual adverse events among U.S. adults. So the science isn't so clear anymore. It says here, the CDC analysis shows that the number of serious adverse events reported in less than two years for the COVID vaccines is 5.5 times larger than all serious reports for vaccines given to adults in the U.S. since 2009. Since, Since over the last 13 or 14 years. And here they come and quietly admit what so many people know and can see with their own eyes. The BBC, they caught a lot of flack from the elites for having this, uh, this doctor on, Asim uh, Malhotra. It says here at The Guardian, his misguided views linking some COVID vaccines to excess heart disease deaths should not have aired, say the experts. The experts are upset that there was a, a, a voice of disagreement on the BBC, and you have to wonder what the BBC producers were thinking, given their bias, given their agenda, given how careful they are, along with Brian Stelter and the New York Times, to stop the spread of disinformation. A doctor comes on the airwaves and says, hey, until we do more testing, I don't think we should be using these vaccines. Listen to a little bit from... 
that interview. Then again, this is cardiologist Asim Molhatra. He's on the BBC. This is from last week, clip twelve. On top of that, Luguesa, one of the reasons I think this is coming to the news just now is obviously there's been a big concern uh, recently around excess deaths. Now, the British Heart Foundation have said certainly during the pandemic or since the pandemic, there's been thirty thousand excess deaths specifically due to coronary artery disease. That's my area of expertise. And they're trying to figure out what's causing it. So they're having the same problem that the United States is having, that Australia is having, that Canada is having. All of these excess deaths. What is causing this? Well, you get the Wall Street Journal saying, hey, you know, some of this does stem from the lockdown measures, the draconian measures that were imposed upon us a couple years ago. Listen again to uh, this doctor on the BBC, clip 13. But what is almost certainly, and I, if you allow me to say this, Lequesa, what I, my own research has found, uh, and this is something that is probably a likely contributory factor, is that the COVID mRNA vaccines do carry a cardiovascular risk. And um, I've actually called for the suspension of this pending an inquiry because there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment about what's causing the excess deaths. Some of it will be ambulance delays. My own father, it was reported on BBC News in um, late 2021, uh, I was the first to actually highlight the ambulance delays because my own father suffered a cardiac arrest at home and the ambulance took 30 minutes. And when his post-mortem came out, he had very severe coronary artery disease, which is unexplainable. I then published in a peer-reviewed journal. They accepted my findings that the likely cause of his death was two doses of the Pfizer mRNA vaccine he had six months earlier. So can, can I, I just, think there's lots of... Yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, I just want to jump in on that point. So what you're saying in terms of the mRNA link to cardiovascular risk is that that yeah. is a proven it's been proven medically has it scientifically yeah yes Luquesa. so in medicine you know in any research that we do it's very difficult to always be absolutely conclusive so we mm. go on like and there are lots of data now um the, the highest quality data is what we call randomized control trial evidence so there was a reanalysis in the journal vaccine published recently where they found that the original trials of Pfizer and Moderna with mRNA vaccines showed, and I just want to put this in absolute terms because we don't want to scare people unnecessarily, mm. but the absolute risk of serious adverse events was at least one in 800. Okay. Uh, and, and a lot of those are cardiovascular. And then it, you were more likely in those trials to suffer a serious adverse event than to be hospitalized All with right. COVID early on. And I think the vaccine has certainly helped people who are high risk, but now we should be reassured that Omicron and what's circulating is really no worse than the flu. And this is really time to pause the vaccine rollout and to really investigate this properly. A little bit of a truth bomb there from this cardiologist. And of course, the reaction from The Guardian and from the others in the left-wing media was predictable. It says here from The Guardian, Dr. Stephen Griffin, a virologist at the University of Leeds, said, I am genuinely astonished by the BBC allowing someone with a known extreme fringe view on mRNA vaccines and the extent to which they are associated with cardiovascular problems to either hijack an interview on a tenuously related topic to express these views or indeed to appear at all following even a cursory background check. How could you even let him appear at all, this cardiologist, who works with, he's actually on the front lines working with, his own father died after taking the vaccine. Yeah, George W. Bush, what did he say a year and a half ago? He said the science is clear. From, from George W. Bush's standpoint, there was reason to be absolutely conclusive 
in his recommendation for the American people, for all the world. The science, he said, is clear. There was the story last week. This, this was from CBS. Again, just to give you an idea of the way these people think and the way they always, always, always just want for you to take a drug. It's always the solution. And you've seen how they push it even on our children, these vaccines. But listen to this. It says children struggling with obesity should be evaluated and treated early and aggressively, including with medications for kids as young as 12 and surgery for those as young as 13. I mean, this is insanity. We're talking about children who are overweight. And what are the solutions? So say the experts, and of course, none of these experts are on the front lines themselves. They're just a bunch of academics in a room somewhere reading a lot of peer-reviewed journals or essays or, or papers and then concluding that what we need to solve the obesity crisis is drugs and surgery. It's madness. Count me down for a hard no on that suggestion, on that recommendation. The science, you think the science is clear on that? Drugs and surgery? These people think drugs solve everything. And all that it does is it makes matters worse. And it lines the pockets of big pharma with billions and billions of dollars. This from Issues and Insights. Last week, the Biden administration once again extended the COVID public health emergency, the 12th time it's been extended in the past three years. Why would they extend it? They just told the Supreme Court, you know, it's over. It says here, just weeks before, however, Team Biden told the Supremes that there's no COVID emergency and there hasn't been one since last April. Why the two diametrically opposed positions? Simple. Extending the public health emergency declaration lets Joe Biden keep millions of recipients on Medicaid and continue his student loan bailout. Claiming that COVID isn't an emergency will open the floodgates to illegal immigrants. It says, notice the connective tissue. It's about expanding government dependency for health care, for college age, or for illegals going on welfare. Who loses? You. And anyone else who pays taxes, this isn't about public health. It's about government welfare. It's about expanding the role of government. It's about expanding the power of government. It's about spending trillions and trillions of dollars. It's about propping up big pharma. It always gets back to this abusive power, this abusive government imposing their will on the rest. I mentioned this article, speaking of issues and insights, this article uh, from the same publication that talks about how that everything the, the Joe Obama people accuse Donald Trump of, they're guilty themselves. They're guilty themselves. Tucker made that point uh, just last week on his show. I'll just read this from Issues and insights. It says, despite the screeching from Biden's political and media guardians that the big guy is less is less blameworthy than Big Orange, the facts show that whatever Trump has been accused of, Biden has been guilty of as well, and in some cases, his conduct worse. It talks about the lies, how that Biden has been lying for more than a half century. 
You could go back to you could go back to when he first ran for president. I think it was in 1988, and all the lies. You know, they're up in arms, the Democrats right now, because of the Santos fella in the House of Representatives. Go back and Google some of the whoppers that President Biden, the fake president, said back in the late 80s and early 90s. Another one here. Trump and Russia, a made-up story. Biden and entanglements with foreign interests that weaken his ability to be effective, uh, an effective commander-in-chief. That's the truth. Even before he was elected president, it was known that he was compromised by his family's shady foreign dealings. China, Ukraine, and Russia have been prominent players in the Biden family influence peddling operation. They're all connected, you see, to the Biden crime family. And here they made up this hoax about Trump and Russia. Tucker had a piece last night or a segment on, uh, on Biden's taxes. You know, they, they went hard after, well, I guess I can play a little bit from this. This is from his opening monologue. Listen to clip five. You may not remember a whole lot about it, but the second and final presidential debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump is actually a fascinating piece of history and it's well worth re-watching. We actually did it today because we had time off. Now, Trump showed up with a political kill shot. He had proof that Joe Biden had been selling access to the U.S. government to hostile foreign regimes. Trump knew that, and we know it, from the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. But Joe Biden, as you may recall, did not even respond. That's Russian disinformation, he said. And then he went on the offense. Show us your tax returns, Biden demanded. Show us your tax returns. And of course, Trump refused. Biden, by contrast, already set up a website called JoeBiden.com to showcase his own recent tax returns because he had nothing to hide. Unlike Donald Trump, you could trust Joe Biden. That was the message. Now, why are we telling you this tonight? Why are we dredging up history? Well, we're doing it because two years later, the roles have reversed in a bewildering and pretty remarkable and kind of hilarious way. So we now have Donald Trump's tax returns. House Democrats grab them, law and precedent and privacy be damned, privacy. <laughs> and they release them to the public because Donald Trump is orange and bad and has no protections under the Bill of Rights. So now that we have Trump's tax returns, what do they show? Well, they show that Donald Trump got a lot poorer once he got into politics. In fact, he may be the only person in Washington you could say that about. Whatever you think of Trump, it turns out he was not in it for the money, hardly. As for Joe Biden, well, you can't say that about Joe Biden. Joe Biden has never had a private sector job. For more than 50 years, he has worked at your expense for the U.S. government. Yet somehow he's gotten rich in the process. How did that happen? How did Joe Biden do that? Well, Joe Biden does not want you to know. So now, and this is the great part, Joe Biden is the one who is hiding his tax returns. Whatever they project onto you. That's what they're guilty of. So here, here he was screaming for Trump's tax returns. They're out. They've been out now for a while, right? Where's the indictments? He was supposed, Letitia James has had them for two years. How come he's not in prison yet? Well, because the tax returns show that he, he, he actually lost money when he got into politics. He, 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 his net worth, it, it plummeted while he was in office as president of the united states for biden however i mean the biden crime family politics is lucrative it certainly is for 50 years he's been raking it in with the bag man like hunter he's collecting and then and then giving the cut to the big guy
This is from that same Issues and Insights piece. It says, The current president has used law enforcement for corrupt purposes. A majority of Americans are convinced, for good reason, that he's used the FBI as his personal Gestapo. Trump was on the other side of the FBI. The FBI was out to get him. And you're seeing that, obviously. You're seeing that in these Twitter file uh, releases. Matt Taibbi, I think this goes back to number 14, maybe 15. But uh, listen to him, what he was saying about some of these revelations from Twitter, clip 8. I think the major revelation of the Twitter file so far is that we've discovered an elaborate uh, bureaucracy of what you might call public-private censorship. Uh, Basically, companies like Twitter had a system by which they received tens of thousands of requests for action on various accounts, typically through the DHS and the FBI, but these requests were coming from basically every agency in the government. We've seen them from the HHS, uh, from the uh, from the Treasury, from the DOD, uh, even from the CIA, and they will send basically long lists of accounts in Excel spreadsheet files and re- uh, ask for action on those accounts. And in many cases, uh, Twitter is complying. That's right. The, the FBI, the DOJ, they're out to get Donald Trump, the bad orange man, all things Trump. And you see from these exposés that they were working with social media. They work with Big Pharma. They're all in it. (laughs) They're all in on it because they want to control the flow of information. They're really concerned. Look, this doctor, whoever was on the BBC, he needs to be blotted out. He shouldn't be on TV saying those things. We want to control the narrative. And so Brian Stelter and the panel there at Davos, they're talking maybe even as we speak about how dangerous this spread of disinformation is. It's the greatest threat facing the whole world, facing the United States. Kevin McCarthy in the House, he was saying earlier this week that he's going to go ahead and spread or rather reveal or release the 14,000 hours of footage surrounding the January 6th protest. So what do you suppose... The talking heads in the media, what, what do you suppose their reaction is to this? Just, just the release of footage that would show us every little detail of what happened on that day. Listen to this exchange on MSNBC, clip nine. Why do you think Matt Gates wants more surveillance footage out? Well, Nicole, this is actually quite baffling for a couple of reasons. Uh, First of all, more footage of the violence, of the desecration of the Capitol, of attacks on police officers, of the heinous behavior that was going on throughout the day on January 6th. I don't see how uh, Matt Gates can think that that is beneficial. And second, you know, they're the same people who've said we hadn't done enough to ensure security within the Capitol. Well, If you release all of the security tapes of the Capitol showing every evacuation route, every corridor, every bit of information that would lay out a roadmap for someone who wants to come try to do something like this again, you know, that is really dangerous uh, for the future Mm. security of the Capitol. And, you know, that is the reason that, you know, although a large portion of these have been released in different contexts, you know, having them in their entirety would be very dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous to see the inside of the Capitol, the, the people's house. You know, the regular ordinary citizens, they can go in and watch the proceedings, walk through the hallways, 
But she doesn't want this footage released. That would be very dangerous. We've got to keep it very secretive what goes on in the wall, inside the walls of Congress. Enough footage has already been released. We certainly don't want to release any more. Listen to this statement from the host, forget her name, but clip 10. Do you think he wants to show the altercation with Ashley Babbitt? I mean, she's a martyr on the far right and in Moscow. A martyr in Moscow? And, and, and altercation? That's how she sees that woman being gunned down, unarmed? She's walking through a, a window that had been broken? And the Capitol Hill police officer just guns her down. That's, that's a little bit more than an altercation. She's seen as a martyr in Moscow. You see, there it is again. Trump, Russia, collusion. Look at these super spreaders of disinformation. They're all over the place. Truth fails. I mean, this is what your Bible prophesies for the last days. The super spreaders of disinformation, chatting it up in Davos, talking about, you guessed it, disinformation. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you want to email the show with some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. TD at the Trumpet. Dot com The 800 number to request America Under Attack or any of the publications we drew attention to on yesterday's show, quite a few of them. Uh, you can call us, 1-866-930-3024. That's a toll-free number if you live in the United States, Canada, or the Caribbean. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. I failed to mention on yesterday's program that uh, the historian, uh, the British historian Paul Johnson, he died, uh, I believe it was last Friday. Maybe it was Thursday, but uh, you'll recall 
or remember from No Freedom Without Law, we quoted from an essay that he did right there at the end of the 20th century, an excellent essay. And of course, the booklet, No Freedom Without Law, uh, is a great read and study. If you don't have a, a copy, again, you can call our operators, one 930 Paul Johnson is someone who early in life was uh, more on the progressive side or the progressive movement. Uh, but as he saw more and more corrupt, corruption uh, there, among those in the, the, the radical left, he became more conservative as uh, life went on, and he lived a long life. I forget how old he was, but uh, just thought I would mention that here in passing uh, so that you could uh, maybe brush up on no freedom without law. So Friday, I guess it was, we talked about fruit producing fruit and how that God uh, judges us according to the fruits, what we produce, in other words. I mean, we can go on and on and on talking, but if we're not producing fruit, then we need to alter our behavior some way or another. Galatians 6 says that every man's going to have to bear his own burden. And then verse 7, I read these, I think, at the end of the show um, on Friday, it says, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Whatever we sow, whatever seeds we put down, I mean, that's what's going to spring forth. That's what we'll produce. And so we've really got to work at it. And remember the law of the farm. Think of John 15. Let's just go through these few verses. I didn't have time to get into this on the show Friday. But it says here in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. God is the farmer. Jesus Christ is like the vine or the trunk of the, the tree. Verse 2 says, Every branch in me that bears not fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So even the branches that are producing, God still will prune them back. He'll still purge them. And of course, this can be likened to, you know, the correction that we receive from God, the instruction, the teaching, because he wants us to keep producing. He wants us to produce even more. He wants us certainly to avoid turning into a dead branch that needs to be lopped off entirely. Again, every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Notice verse 3, continuing, it says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. So we have to abide in Christ. We have to live unto God, Galatians 2.9. Paul said in that same passage, Galatians 2.20, he said, I'm crucified with Christ, and yet I live, but it's not me, it's Christ in me. It's Christ in us that brings forth fruit, abundant fruit. This is a great mystery, it says in Colossians 1. Christ in you, it's a great mystery to this world. Christ living in us by the power of God's Spirit. It says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. We're nothing without Christ. We're nothing without God in us, God living in us, without the power of God in us. Verse 7, it says, If you abide in me 
and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. It says, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So again, God is a farmer, and the more we produce, the more fruit we produce with his power and help, with Jesus Christ living in us, the more it brings glory to God. The more we glorify God, notice down in verse 16, it says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. It says that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So God wants us to be fruit-producing Christians. He wants that fruit to grow and to, to expand, and he wants it to remain. This is why we're here. This is what we're living out this physical life in the flesh for, to produce fruit, to grow. Think of 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at the parable of the pounds. This is in Luke 19. You see some of the same principles here. Luke 19 and verse 11, it says, And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And he said, and he said therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants... And he delivered them ten pounds, and he said unto them, Occupy until I come. So he goes off into a far country. Before he leaves, he calls his servants forward. He gives them pounds, and he says, Occupy. That's really not the best English word, given what the Greek word means. It means to, to use it, to, to, to make yourself busy in trading so that you can gain so that you can gain that pound or, 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 or grow it, in other words. Verse 14, it says, But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded his servants to be called to him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Thayer's lexicon says about this word trading, it means to undertake a business for the sake of gain. This is a godly principle or pursuit to actually grow the business. It says here, this, this is from Mr. Armstrong, this means each Christian is expected to grow spiritually in spiritual knowledge and grace. That's in his booklet, the conversion booklet. Herbert W. Armstrong wrote that. This parable is showing us that we're supposed to grow. Every Christian is supposed to grow spiritually. Verse 16, it says, Then came the first, saying, Lord, your pound has gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, you good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, have you authority over ten cities? Mr. Armstrong, you know, he looked at this parable. He looked at these principles. And uh, he talked about it with respect to the work of God as well. We talked some about that yesterday, just the growth of God's work over the course of Herbert Armstrong's ministry, the growth that's obvious in the Philadelphia Church of God in the more than 30 years since Mr. Armstrong 
died. You can look at some of that history again in Raising the Ruins. I plugged that yesterday. It says in verse 20, And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is your pound. So one, one had gained ten, another gained five. I, I skipped over that part. But it says about this third one, Here's your pound, which I have I've kept laid up in a napkin, for I feared you because you were an austere man. You take up and you lay not down and reap uh, that you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth will I judge you, you wicked servant, the one that didn't produce anything, the one that didn't grow. Christ said, you're a wicked servant. It says, you know, you know that I was an austere man taking up that I laid not down and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gave not you my money into the bank that at my coming, I might have required my own with usury or interest. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound and give it to him that has gained ten pounds. See, give it to one that produced the most. This shows that God really does put more on those that are pushing themselves to grow and overcome and develop. And it also shows that if we stop producing fruit, if we stop growing, then we're going to lose. We're going to lose what uh, we were given to begin with. We uh, produced an article. This is at, uh, I think, the PCOG website. It's called Produce. It's from 2014 by Ryan Malone. And he gives some action steps right at the end of this. He goes through some of the same scriptures we've covered on the last few programs with respect to growth. But he gives some of these action steps toward the end of his article. Firstly, be goal-oriented and step-oriented. Set the goals and then, uh, you know, evaluate yourself along the way to make sure you're making progress toward those goals. These are ways, practical ways, that you can set about to produce, to grow, to produce fruit. Second, his second point, beware productivity imposters. In other words, avoid distractions. There's a lot of them out there. Satan just bombards us with all kinds of distractions. It says here, take time to assess regularly. Take time to assess regularly. Fourth, he says, be found doing. And then uh, I didn't print the next page. I think the fifth one was to do it with your might, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. So as I say, some helpful tips from an old PCOG article back in 2014. That's all that we have time for, sadly, on today's show. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. Don't forget to email the show, trumpet.com. Thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.